Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the Texas Outlaw Running Talk Show. This is your host, Briston Rains. I'm the founder, owner, and Texas Division Race Director here at Texas Outlaw Running. This episode you're about to listen to is known as Shooting the Bull. Shooting the Bull episodes release every Monday, and we shoot the bull about running, fitness, and life itself. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a rating. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this show of us shooting the bull. Good morning, uh, Ashley. Good morning, Brisson. Well, dude, you sound like a, a microphone on a Windows PC or something. <laughs> and maybe it's just echoing. I don't know. Maybe so. I don't know. Hold on. Oh, my goodness, bro. The audio sounds terrible. How does that sound? Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It sounds so soothing. You need to do like yes, ASMR sir. now. Do you know what ASMR is? Yeah, I know what ASMR is. Here, I'm going to give the listeners some ASMR. This is some leftover milk from some cereal. You ready? You got to get a little closer. <laughs> I got milk everywhere on my desk now. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's well. This podcast is going to go out on the new year, I think. Let me look. I think this is going to be a new year podcast right now. Um, we got, yep, January 1st. Man, last episode came out on Christmas. This one comes out on January 1st. Look at that. I'm sleeping, in. I'm sleeping in this January 1st. I'm going to bed at 9 o'clock or December 31st, I should say. Love it. Yeah. Early to, early to bed, early to rise. Right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. I uh, I I went out running this morning, and it was pretty. It was cold, man. It said it felt like twenty six degrees or something. And <laughs> we got this golf course by where I live. I posted about it on Strava, but I went and ran, and I was running, and I was like, "Well, I know most golf courses are not allowed to run." So, I I was like, "I don't see any signs. I don't say don't run though." And I was thinking in my head, I was like, if I go run on this golf course, who's going to hop in their golf cart in 20 degrees and come tell me to to leave? <laughs> like, no, no one's going to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I decided to go run on the golf course, just like the the path they have because it's a it's a really big path and it it beats running in the city. So I ran on the golf course, and sure enough, no one hopped on the golf court in 20 degrees to tell me to get off. So there you go. It's too, it's too early for golfers to be up traveling the course and plan. So it was like six in the morning too. So yeah. 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 So here I am. And I guess I, I can keep on running on it until someone tells me not to. So in, in high school, we had a course that was pretty close to our, uh, our school. And, um, one day during senior year, we decided we were like, uh, let's go run on the course, see what that's all about, run over some grass, because it was like a recovery day or whatever. And we ended up getting on, you know, in the afternoon. It's probably like mm, three or four by the time we got onto the course. And there were a bunch of golfers everywhere. And for some reason, we just didn't really care. And nobody really said anything. And like now knowing that that's terrible, terrible golfer etiquette, I can't believe that no one said anything, number one, and we did it, number two. And, like, nothing happened. Uh, but, yeah. It's one thing to run on the 
pavement, it's another thing to run on the grass. Yeah, that's true. All right, now it's time. It's that part of the show to where we uh, do some water ASMR. Are you ready? <laughs> that was good. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, I was, I was, um, I saw someone say something about uh, a price for a hundred mile race being super expensive, and it was like. I don't know, maybe like 400 bucks or something like that. And they were complaining about the price. And uh, and I was looking at, you know, some of the things people had to say about that. And a lot of people were like, yeah, sometimes these race directors, they come off to me as greedy and stuff like that. And so I, to me, I was thinking, you know, if you have a pretty built up brand like uh, Iron Man or Budville or Spartan, whatever it is, and you're pretty well known and people want to come to your stuff, you can pretty much charge whatever you want. Someone's going to pay for it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for us, us smaller folks that have one to 200 people per race, less than that, even 50, um, our prices are pretty, I mean, it's not cheap to go run a trail race, man. Like I'm wanting to go run one. But I'm not going to until I, I'm going to volunteer and then use those credits to go run the race because I don't want to spend the money on the entry fee because they are pretty steep. And, you know, as a person who does this for a living and makes a living off race directing, we got to charge certain prices at certain margins for a reason. Uh, it's not just like, oh, I want to make a lot of extra money, so I'm going to charge this much. That's not, right. how, it works, not how it works at all. I'm pre- I'm living pretty frugally, and Asher knows as my financial advisor. Asher knows my um, financial situation, and he knows how frugal we're living, Carly and I. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, I I I can see where it can be very uh, greedy for some people um, that do some of these races. Like there recently, there was like this thing about um, Iron Man. Um, how they're trying to buy UTMB or they did, I think they did and how they're trying to um, buy more races in, in the U S right. And yeah, that doesn't look good to people who um, support race directors on a, on a local level. So like, for example, if I don't know if you had a local race and um, you loved going to this local race. You went to it every year, and all of a sudden, this big organization where you know nobody takes over. Like, yeah, that's gonna throw you off because it's a tight knit community, you know. And yeah. it's not like a, it's not like it's like a ten thousand person race, and you don't know who the organizer is, um, and the race gets bought, and you don't even notice. No, it's completely different, man. Because these people are, in our community are so tight knit, and um, it makes me think of that study we did where we asked, you know, we were asking questions and one of the questions we asked was like, do, do you care about who the race director is? And anyone who ran road, they didn't care, but everyone who ran trails, they did care about who the race director was. And from that study, it shows like people care about the person in our community, in a community, they care about who's putting on the race. And if somebody comes in, that's looking to just get into it for money. 
And it's look at it this way. Look at it this way. You got, let's say you have this, um, let's say you got your family, right? And, and you got your father figure who can be a, a dad's friend or uncle, whoever. You got like a father kind of figure who's not your father though. And all of a sudden, another guy says, Hey, I'm going to trade your spot for a million dollars. I'll take your spot. So the guy who you know super well, who's just like your best friend, leaves. And then this other guy you don't even know who comes in and he came in with the motive of money. That was a really bad example, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and people don't like that, man. People do not like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll say this, like as far as what I've seen in Texas, like all the prices we charge the race directors from what I've seen are, you know, they're pretty high, but they're reasonable within the community. You know, you can run a hundred mile race for, I think a right around maybe even less than $200. Whereas if you go anywhere else, it's, you know, three, four, five, six hundred dollars Um, and so I think in our community, we're pretty reasonably charged, but there's reasons, man, like people, <laughs> it's so funny. People will come and do race and they're like, you'll get the idea of like, this thing makes a ton of money and you don't have that many expenses. And they look around and they're, they come to a race and they look and they think, Oh, okay. You just got to pay for medals and shirts and that's it. No, no, right. no, no. <laughs> you got to pay. You got to pay for the food to get there, the the lodging to stay in the city you're staying in if you're not local, um, the gas to get there. That's just a minor experience. Expenses. You got porta potties, food, t-shirt, bibs, equipment. Equipment is the big one. That start and finish line, that tent you see, that table you see when you walk up, those water coolers, the food on the table, the everything you see costs money. And I remember, dude, I saw a photo of when we first started the other day. And in the photo, oh, it was the Backland is what it was. It was the first year of the Backland. And it like popped up like three years ago today on my Facebook. And we had like this like um, little white tent you get from Walmart. And I had like, I think bungee to it, a Texas Outlaw running banner. And then I had this... um backdrop thing that you use for backdrops i had it that up on tripods and we used that as our start and finish line and we tied that down with a rope so it wouldn't fall over and then, then we had like these little white checkered flags like two of them that was it and two yeah. ta- and maybe like two tables you know and and Easy. now with our races getting bigger more people we need more equipment more tables more tents bigger a bigger starting area things like that so yep. the expenses abound. Um, that's an interesting word, abound. But, I mean, there's a reason for the price. And honestly, I would say whatever, like if you were to calculate, which I did this in college before I started the business, but if you started to calculate a, a race and how much they brought in, if you were to calculate it, you would say, oh, they're bringing in like 20000 They got to be profit in like fifteen, but no. It's really at the end of the day, they're maybe profiting. If they're if they're lucky, they're profiting twenty five percent. Like we're 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 able to have a pretty decent profit because we do our own stuff. Like I heat press my own shirts. Like I order my shirts. I make my graphics. I make the I do the website design. I do a lot of my stuff, so I got a lot of the work cut out for me as far as 
a lot of the expenses cut out for me. Whereas a lot of these race directors, man, they don't have any experience. They don't have like a, they don't know how to make a website or how to do graphic design or how to do social media. They don't know how to do these things. So they have to hire people to do them if they want it to be done right. And dude, that's why you see, um, I don't know, hard rock, for example, uh, that's a hundred mile race. I don't know. Just any big hundred mile race you can think of. That's why you see their entry fee is so big because you think those old dudes know how to do social media and make all their stuff look good and do the graphic design. No, they're hiring people to do that stuff, man. So that stuff's going to be more expensive. So if your race director has many different skills when it comes to, I don't know, events, if he can do a lot of his own stuff, then his prices are going to be cheaper. I want to say that we have the cheapest prices in Texas, like Texas Outland Running does. Um, and it's simply because I do my own stuff, a lot of it. So we're able to lower our right. prices a little bit. But yeah, man, I mean, we're barely getting by. I mean, we're, we got a little profit at, at the end of each month, but not a lot. Um, and so to think that, you know, race director is trying to be greedy. Um, I could see, you know, if it's these big corporations doing it, but, um, at least for a small race directors, I mean, we're just trying to make a living trying to provide food, water, and shelter for us full-timers. There's probably three of us in Texas that are full-time, and that's about it. Um, and we're just trying to continue to live. We're not – there's definitely not any – like I've heard s- several times from these race directors, there's not any big money in it if you're a local state race director. So, Right. Yeah. So, no, we're not being greedy. <laughs> we're not being greedy. Yeah. But yeah, man, you got any thoughts on that, Asher? Um, yeah, I was thinking about your Iron Man example, and just as you were as you were talking about, I was thinking, you know, Iron Man at one point in the '90s, in the early 2000s, it was a relatively small brand, and it really started to blow up. Probably, probably around then. Um, but you think about all the costs that are associated with it now, like people from back then that were doing. Ironmans, for example, my dad, he won't, he won't go and pay for one because it's outrageously priced as compared to 20 years ago. Right. But whenever you factor in the fact that they probably had to hire on people for social media and market research and um, like event production, just all these different positions that they now have to fill because they're putting on these large scale productions. Um like that's all factored into those costs. Like, I I think, I think some people are probably right that, you know, $700 for one Ironman is a little expensive and like, that's a commitment, but I mean, I don't know. That's just the, that's just the way of event production. And if you truly want something that you, you want to participate in an event that's worth your time and going to, probably give you the most bang for your buck you're going to end up spending a pretty penny um so it's just it's just a trade-off and and that's why that's why races are so fun because it's like you know i've i've worked my way several months or years in training all the way to this race and i i put in the not only the effort but i put in the money to be able to go and do this thing and here i am race day let's make the most of it so that's also an exciting thing. And I think some people probably don't appreciate, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, 
I can kind of justify where as far as the triathlon Ironman and like Spartan races, for example, do charge more. And the reason I can justify it a little bit is because they're nationwide and they have uh, distribution centers and headquarters where they uh, run their supplies. They have trucks they're running. They have several employees. And so I can see whereas there's such a demand that in order to actually provide practically for that demand, there has to be a big enough profit for them to be able to expand nationwide. So that it does make sense as far as some of the prices, but I think something that's really interesting is that um, I don't know if you've heard of this, and I know this is like not running related at all, but hey, we're going to make it work. But um, there's this company called, I think, BlackRock, and I'm sure everybody's heard about it, but BlackRock owns uh, a a large percentage of a lot of companies and real estate and all kinds of things. And I want to say BlackRock owns a lot of, uh, owns Iron Man, if I'm correct. I could be wrong. But I think when I, I think I saw somewhere that BlackRock owns Iron Man, and so yeah, I mean yeah, there are people at the top of the food chain that are in it for the profits and the money. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't blame the race directors if they do sell. Like I wouldn't get upset with them because guess what? <laughs> if if Iron Man came and offered me, I don't know, however much money, half a million dollars or whatever, I would take it. And guess what? I would still go put on races on my own and I would still be a trail runner, but I would, as an entrepreneur, I would probably go, I'd probably go, um, start another business, but I would still be in the trail running community. There's very, I'll tell you this, Asher, and this might be surprising for people to hear, but, um, there's a few races that I would never give up. Number one is the backland. I will do that race forever. Lord willing. And I, that's not a race that I would just sell. And then number two would be, um, our charity races, like where we do races to give away money. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give those up, but all the ones that, um, have built Texas outlaw running in the business. If someone offered me, you know, a lot of money for them, I would take it. And I wouldn't expect people to get mad because there wouldn't be a reason to, (laughs) It wouldn't be a reason yeah. to. Um, I would keep the ones that mean a lot to the community and are pretty like, I don't know, really rooty and, and tight knit, like the backland, very small race. Like we have a lot of repeat runners every year and, and it's a few people. Whereas a lot of these races I do, man, it's new faces every race, like 99% of the people I've never seen. Um, and so I think it's different for me, man. You know, if, 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 um, of my runners, let's just say, for example, came to a lot of my races and I saw them year after year. Okay. I'd probably feel a little bad about selling to a bigger company, to be honest with you. I'd feel pretty bad about it. Right. But, you know, a lot of people, um, there's very few people, a handful of people that actually come to all the races. And so that might take some people off, make them mad. I don't care. I mean, if they offered me half a million, man. I would still be, you'd still see me at races. I'd still be a race director for some races. I would do more charity races, if anything. And guess what? Everyone, if they didn't like it, they could just stop showing up to the races <laughs> after they buy buy them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I have aspirations as an entrepreneur to do other things um, and bigger things in the future. And I hope it's Texas Outlaw Running. I hope that's a part of it. And if it's not... 
I have other great ideas that I'm like super excited to do. And hey, that might make some people upset. Whatever. Just being honest. So being honest. Yep. Love it. Yep. 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 So I guess you really gotta watch out who who's at the top of the food chain and what's the what's the motives. So um, yeah. the motive is so I can buy a yacht. It's probably not someone who you wanna 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 run a race under. So yeah. my opinion. Feel that. But uh anyways. Well, yeah, man. So there's uh there's my two cents on the expensive races and greedy race directors. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And I you know, uh to all our, our faithful listeners that listen to this podcast every week, we have a lot of you. And I think it's so awesome. Um I'm thinking about taking this podcast live every week. It's gonna be a commitment for both Asher and I if we were to. We'd have to schedule it out for both of us where it'll both work for us. But I think if we did this live, it'd be really cool, man. We'd be able to interact with people live, answer questions, things like that. Um, but if y'all do have any questions at the moment, if you have any questions, any topics you want us to talk about, email us, texasoutlawrunning at gmail.com. And we'll look it over. And if we like it or if we see it or maybe we'll miss it, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll try to talk about it on the podcast if you think it's podcast worthy so but do you have anything you wanted to say asher going into the new year um yeah man new year so been thinking a lot about race objectives race goals gotta gotta make some race goals for 2024 is what i've i've decided so um plan is tentative plan 5k december 1st i mean january 1st then my goal is to never go down in race distance throughout the entire year. So after I do the 5k I, and the other, the other objective is I have to at least double the, the race distance. So I'm gonna start with 5k. I'm gonna do a half in probably February. I'm going to do a 50 K somewhere over the summer, probably a Texas outlaw event. We'll see though. And then a hundred miler is the plan in October. No, you got to wait till next year to do it with me, bro. Nah, dude, I think this has got to be the year. I got to have, I got to have big goals for 2024. And some of you, some of you might be like, oh, dude, Asher's so over his head. No shot. He's going to go for the 100 miler. But I don't know, guys. No, uh, you cannot run that race without me, bro. We got to do it together. No, Asher, you know what? Opportunity. If you want to do it this year, because I want to, I want to at least wait one more year before I do it to train up to it. I don't want to like destroy myself that early in my running career. Um, but if you if you do do it, Asher, I'll pace you and crew you. So, all right, deal. And then we'll have something awesome to talk about on the podcast and on Christian Trailboros. It'll just be great. Yeah, yeah. let's plug our Christian Trailboros podcast. If you want to listen to us talk about trail running and Christian things, it's getting better. It's, I think it's had a little bit of a rocky start. But um, if you want to hear us talk about, you know, trail running and Christian biblical things, go check out the Christian Trail Bros podcast. But, well, I like those goals, Asher. That's a cool goal. Um, Appreciate it, bro. I might do a 50 mile this upcoming year, but we'll see. So, 
Yeah. And you should I'll, do it. I'll right. be there for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there for it. March, maybe. We'll see. But, but thank y'all for listening to another uh, Shooting the Bull episode. And we'll see y'all next Monday on Shooting the Bull. Happy New Year. Happy trails. Such a long pause. <laughs> see y'all next week. <laughs>